AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, I'm Shannon Sharp. Welcome to Club Shay Shay. I am your host, also the proprietor of Club Shay Shay. The guy that's stopping by for a drink and conversation today is 2017 Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's been a pro bowler every year he's been in the NFL. That's four times. He's a two-time All-Pro. He's the first running back to have 500 receiving yards, 500 rushing yards in each of his first four seasons. And he's the second player in NFL history to score six touchdowns in a game. Alvin Kamara. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Yeah. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Is it Kamara or Kamara? I say Kamara. My mama say Kamara. I don't know. How <laughs> come off your tongue? All right, bro. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Blessed, blessed. Let's. We're gonna talk about off the field before we get on the field. Yeah. Now, I read that you you invested in uh, Killer Mike's. He started something called Greenwood. Can you explain to the people that's listening what exactly is it? So what we're doing with Greenwood, it's it's a um, basically a platform for banking um, for minorities. You know, we're we're targeting. Um, African-American and, and Latino communities, like I said, minorities, um, and just giving them uh, access to banking. You know, um, we closed Series A funding at 40 million, um, and that's the largest in FinTech history. So we're doing some good things. You know, our, our community, um, and I'm talking about the Black community, we haven't had access to quality loans and, and fair interest rates. And, you know, this bank was created for black people, by black people. Um, we Right now we got about 500,000 people on the waiting list to, to open accounts. We're about a hundred days away from launching. Um, we got some of the biggest banks invested with Chase, JP Morgan, um, Bank of America. And I mean, it's, it's all about, you know, just leveling the playing field, you know, just giving us the opportunity to be able to have access and, and to not only the, the banking platform, but have access to the knowledge, you know, to, to give our community knowledge, to know what's going on and, and know what's going on with our money, honestly. Um, I think the, the best thing about Atlanta that I can say, being from Georgia, lived in Atlanta for a quarter century, is that 
a lot of times the, the power players and the professional athletes, they have no problem collabing. And, you know, you see what Killer Mike did in the, the, the black turnout for the voting, the vote, uh, get out to vote. And you see what they're doing in their communities. What made, why were you so interested? How did you meet up with Killer Mike and get involved in this program? Man, so I, I, I got involved with it um, actually through Ryan Glover and, and you okay. know, Killer Mike and all of them, they, they all partnered together. But um, obviously just wanted to do good in the community and, you know, being blessed and being able to have the financial success that we have. I mean, it, it's just a no brainer to, you know, be able to educate and provide a, a platform to our community to help them be able to uplift and, and, and elevate themselves and to be able to have an opportunity to get to the level of success that we have. You know, it's, it's tons of talented people in our community that don't have access to the proper loans. You know, um, I mean, it's tons of people in our, in our uh, communities that don't have access or the knowledge to um, bank properly and, and really don't, don't know how the banking system works. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, I mean, basically like, Higher circulation of the dollar in the black community will elevate the black black lives. So that's what we're trying to do. I mean, um, in our community, a dollar circulates zero to, to one time. And that's it's it's sad, honestly. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the knowledge, and a lot of a lot of it has to do with the access and the opportunity. Um, like I said, with this platform, it's it's giving um, our communities access and opportunity and equal opportunity to be able to do all those things. You mentioned that Killer Mike is a part of this. You said you got introduced to this program by Ryan Glover, also former Atlanta mayor and yeah. U.S. Ambassador Andrew Young. Uh, Andy Young, civil rights icon there in Atlanta, is also a part of this program. Alvin, do you feel a sense of responsibility because you're the one, one of the ones that made it out and maybe helped some of the less fortunate that didn't get that opportunity or didn't have the opportunity to, say, go to a, a, a traditional bank and get the, and get the means to maybe start a business or maybe buy a home or buy a car. Do you feel somewhat of a, a responsibility to give back? Yeah, I definitely do. I think, I, I think it's important because, you know, somebody, uh, somebody like the younger generation that's coming up under me and I'm young, but somebody looking at me, like I'm a, I'm a leader and I'm a, a role model. Um, you know, they can, they can learn so much, but it's all about, you know, how I, how I present it and how I, how I dish it out. So, you know, something, like this that actually has an impact on your life. I mean, this is this is your your financial uh, security, um, the knowledge just to be able to know what you're doing within banking. And, and you know, I when I was younger, I didn't really have a, a lot of access to a lot of this knowledge. It was given to me right. as I got older and, and I didn't have a bank account until I was in high school. I mean, I mean, till I got to college, you know, my first sophomore year in college, that's when I first really got a bank account and, you know, getting to the league and, and that's when I really got the knowledge of taxes and, and loans and interest rates and things like that. So this platform is to give, to empower, you know, everyone, not only just younger people, but everyone and, and you know, show them that it is accessible. It is uh, possible um, to be able to, you know, have access to these things, man, it's, it's important. You also have another endeavor. You all opened a juice bar in, uh, in New Orleans. Why yeah. juice bar? And uh, what type of and what type of uh, atmosphere do you do? People party, you know, because you remember at uh, the daiquiri bars that I know, they're like a hangout yeah. spot. You know, you just don't go get your drink and leave. You get your drink and stay, and you you know you shoot pool or you you hang out with your friends. You grab a bite to eat. Yeah. So is it that type of uh, 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 juice bar? 
<laughs> no, nah, so it's, it's cold pressed juice, man. And, okay. and I've been passionate about juicing since, I mean, I was in college, you know, it's, it's your health, your health is your wealth. So, you know, once I got- um, So you're a big uh, user. Yeah, I actually am. Okay. Yeah, so so once I got the opportunity to to, to get into this, man, it was okay. a no brainer. My partner, Ash Shakri, he, um, you know, like I said, presented this this idea to me. He already had it going. It already um, was kind of running. And he was just like, man, if you want to be involved, I'm giving you, you know, green light. You know, it's, it, it's you can go as far as you want to go with it, or, you know, you can kind of just, you know, come in and just watch and learn. And I'm like, yo, if I'm going to be involved, I'm going to 100%. So, you right. know, now I'm owner of, of part of the brand. So it's huge. I mean, and the, the atmosphere that, that I want to create in there is, you know, the second atmosphere you were talking about, but <laughs> a healthy, you know what I'm saying? So with right. the store that I built, I built it from the ground up, drew the right. plans and cut the concrete, digging in, digging in the ground, finding pipes, like literally like, you know, put my, my sweat and, you know, my time into it because, you know, I'm passionate about whatever I'm involved in. And if I'm not, then I'm not doing it. So um, just go ahead, Sam. No, I was going to ask you, what, what got you into juicing? What, 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 um, and what made you start juicing? You see, you, you've been a big juicer. You started juicing yeah. in college, which is rare because normally guys, you know, you go to the training table, you can eat as much as you yeah. want. And juicing, obviously there was no juicing when I was going on, orange juice, apple juice, but that was out of a carton or a jug. What made you start <laughs> to get into juicing? Man, so I, was, I, I really just kind of did my own research on it. Okay. And I was just figuring out like just new ways to, you know, get an edge, like just be more healthy, you know, cause I mean, it's easy to just eat whatever and drink whatever. And you right. know, we young, it's like, all right, well, I'll be good. Like I'm, I'm, I'll still be able to, I can stay up all night and go to this 5 a.m. workout and get it right. in and go to class and keep running. Like I'm running on fumes, but I'll be all right. But I was like, man, I can't do that. I got to find a, a different route, you know? So, you know, I kind of did some research. I was doing some research in my free time and, you know, juicing kept coming up, juicing, like, you know, carrots, celery and cold press and all the nutrients that come from it, you know, that a couple of bottles of juice is like uh, pounds of protein and produce and things like this. So I'm like, man, I can drink it instead of eating it, but still, still eat, you know, still eat right. And right. then get this, the juice is just a bonus. So, you know, that's, I, I've always been into it and I've kind of tried to stick to it. So, the juice bar was just a plus. I'm like, now I got, I don't even gotta, I don't even gotta go pay for juice. I got a whole juice bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like juicing also, but the cleanup is what I don't like. <laughs> yeah, I know that's what I got to do production for me. <laughs> so in the process of juicing, do you still eat meat? Or are you, you know, are you pescatarian? Or do you only eat like fish, seafood? Do you eat red meat? Do you not eat pork? So what what do you, what does the uh, Alvin Kamara diet consist of? Man, so I haven't eaten pork since eighth grade um red meat okay. i don't eat a, eat a lot of i actually went vegan uh like a year and a half ago i went vegan and kind of played with the vegan and plant-based like pescatarian lifestyle just kind of going jumping back and forth in between vegan and, and you know pescatarian and just staying kind of plant-based and you know i mean it makes a difference you know my body is like your body is your temple and then especially you know sandy you play it um you got to take care of your body you got to fuel it right you got to treat it right so you know, I just made sure I was kind of getting the right balance of, you know, what I needed. So, you know, when I'm training, I'm pretty much plant-based and, and keep everything clean, uh, pretty vegan for the, for, for the most part. And I'll switch it up every now and then. And, and, you know, I'll have some fish or some, you know, some seafood and things like that. Rarely eat meat. Um, 
but you know, I wouldn't say I'm super strict on it, but I'm, I'm right. pretty, uh, I'm pretty disciplined. Yeah, but um, so but how did your body feel? Because I remember Arian Foster had a great career, and then all of a sudden he switched up and we went totally vegan, and he like crashed and burned. He was never the same player that he was, and so I'm yeah. wondering with the physicality in which you play, you're running back. Now, if yeah. you're a kicker, a punter, yeah, you can do that. Maybe even a quarterback. But with the kind of pounding that you take, that you're touching the ball 20, 25 times a game, how does that work for you, taking that kind of pounding? Yeah, I mean, I was vegan last year. Okay. All season. So I didn't I didn't feel – I felt great. Uh, as far as the load and everything, I felt good. I was fine. Um, I don't think it really – if you do it right, you know, I think the the – benefits outweigh like the risk of it you know right. a lot of people like you just said with arian a lot of people talk about you know well if you go vegan you know there's a lot of downside to it you don't get the proper but protein. i think he went totally vegan alvin i i think he just he cut meat out all together and he was just eating plants and and you know the seeds and things <laughs> of that nature i think you got to yeah. have some animal protein now i'm not saying it needs to be a, a turkey or chicken or or from a cow or a hog but you need some protein you need something solid if you're going to take that kind of collision on a weekly basis yeah so the first i think three or four games i was completely vegan uh-huh so i was fine and then i kind of you know just person not not like I, I didn't feel like oh i need to eat some meat but i was like i'll just mix in some fish here and there and some shrimp like seafood and just get some just get some meat in just okay and you know i was still juicing and, and i had my supplements on the side so i felt good man and i'm, I'm you know i'm back training i'm gonna stick to the script kind of what i've been doing what is the Alvin Camaro workout? What does that consist of? So how do you break it up? I mean, I was a run in the morning, lift in the afternoon, uh, things of that nature. So how do you split your training up? Yeah, so me, shoot, when I get back to training, I'm up at 4.30 in the morning every day. So I run, I run and lift in the morning. Okay. Um, take a little break, get back, eat some breakfast. Uh, by eight o'clock, by eight o'clock, 8.30, I'm with my, uh, on my second session, I'm with um, my guy Sharif, all those videos that go viral of me balancing right. and doing things like that. I'm yes. there from 8, 8, 30, 9 o'clock to probably about noon, you know, just fine tuning, you know, just core stability, um, balance, hand-eye coordination, just, you know, tuning up at all the little things, you know, the, right. that, you know, a lot of people don't really focus on. That's what I'm, that's what I'm into. So, you know, that's kind of like my day. I'm, I'm done by one o'clock, one thirty every day. And, you know, whatever else I got to do, take care of my body whether it's treatments, needles, uh, massage, anything. I just kind of relax and, you know, that's every day for me. Well, as, as I was transitioning away from football, the hyperbaric chamber, the high altitude yeah. training, um, the tent, the, you know, guys started buying those machines. Uh, do you believe in those? Do you have one of those? How much time do you spend it if you do have it? Man, I, I actually haven't really gotten into the hyperbaric chamber thing. Um, but you know all the all the other you know Norma Techs and and uh, mm -hmm. game readies, uh, I'm I'm real into that. I mean recovery, you got to recover. Once you break down, you got to recover. And right, it's it's. And I tell this to people during the season, and like man, how your body feels? I'm like man, it feels it feels good. I done got it back to. It's a race to get to as close to 100 as you can every every right. uh, every week. You know it's a long season, um, and you know uh, it's not, sometimes it's not about talent. It's about who, who who's more healthy. Right, of being available. And I'm like, yo, I'm telling you, it's about who, who's healthier. And guys, right. kind of, a lot of my friends, they like, they can't really conceptualize it. And I'm like, man, I'm telling you, this it's a grind. So um, you got to take care of your body. So I've well, been looking I've, into, I've you've been, been looking, looking into, into like, okay. Yeah, Mark, Mark they, Ingram, they work. That's my guy. 
Trust me, trust me, Alvin, they work. I, I, I wish I would have had the knowledge at the end of my career I had at the beginning um, yeah. to spend that kind of time and understanding because training wasn't, is so specialized now. It wasn't like that when I got started. It started to taper towards that. But how yeah. soon after the game is over do you start preparing your body for the next week? Oh, man, it's, it's immediate, like. So I get done, you know, depending on what time we get done, I might get some work after the game just to get a head start. Um, right. You know, we off days or Tuesdays, Mondays usually we're off when we um, when we win. So uh, I got my, my the guy that comes in and does my body work, he's there, he's there Sunday, Monday. So if it's anything, any attention that I have anywhere on my body, so I might get, I might hit him Sunday night, like, hey, let's get in here and, you know, my, my feet or, you know, my hamstring was a little tight from last game or let's, you know, let's get a good stretch and in a in kind of like a flush and then Monday we'll hit it hard and, and you know, fine tune some of the kinks that we need to get right before we get back started for the week. But I mean, it's if you if you do it right, I mean, you you know, you put yourself in the best position to be, you know, successful and be be active on, on Sunday. Are you a big cold, cold bath, cold tub guy? Because after the game, especially at home, not so much on the road, but we would do it some on the road. We would get yeah. as soon as the game was over, we go get into the cold tank. Yeah, I don't do it right after the game. I do. I, I think I'm more, I'm more into that like during the week and like especially yeah. in camp. camp oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's a must. Yeah, you know, you know it. You know it. So it's a in must. Camp, I'm really, I'm really on it during the season. I do it like kind of you know as as needed. Um, after the games, not so much. But I mean, it helps. It works. So you know, I do it. Uh, your love with NASCAR. You you were able to sponsor. You got a uh, your emblem, your logo from your. Um, your juice bar on a NAS on the NAS NASCAR and Infinity Series. Whether the love of NASCAR, and I tell people this, I'm from Georgia. You and I from we're both from Georgia. You're from uh, yeah. North Cross. I'm from South Georgia. But NASCAR used to be big. Used to be big <laughs> because you couldn't go to a a corner store without seeing a a toy a scale car or a bandana mm -hmm. or something NASCAR on it. Yeah, I mean. So for me, it kind of just started like during the quarantine with this, with, with the pandemic going on. And I've always seen NASCAR, you know, you flip through the channels and you might see right. a race and you're just like, oh, car's going in circles. I'm like, all right, flip. <laughs> so, you know, I just get done working out. I'm sitting at the house. I'm like, let me see what's up with this NASCAR. Like, let me just watch it and really try to understand it. And I'm watching and I'm hearing everything they're talking about. And I'm like, yo, it's more to it than just driving around this track. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you got, so spotters, you got spotters and technicians telling you, oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You try to conserve so, fuel. Uh-huh. So I'm in Miami. I'm like, let me see if it's a race. Like, what what racetracks is here? Let me see if it's a race. And it just so happened that there was a race two days, you know. I was, it, was a, it, was maybe, it was a Tuesday. Yeah, Homestead. It was maybe a Tuesday. I think it was a race on Thursday or something. Or it was a Thursday and it was a race on Saturday. So I hit up NASCAR. I'm just like, let me see. I'm going to see if I can get to the race. <laughs> let, me get, let me go to the race. So I go to the race. And after that, I was hooked. I'm like, yo, this is serious. Like, you know, I got a chance to meet with Steve Phelps, who was the president. And, you know, I sat in the box and, you know, talked to, you know, all the personnel and, and you know, Bubba, obviously, with everything that he was going through. I, I knew Bubba uh, from Tennessee when I was at University of Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just kind of, you know, what he was going through. I definitely wanted to go for that reason also. Um, and you know, I just kind of got it, got my intro into it, and it was accelerated, and you know, I ain't looked back since. Are you surprised? I, I, the thing that I tell people that's never been to a NASCAR, you don't realize how fast the cars are going and how close they actually are. 
TV doesn't do it justice. No, TV don't do it justice, justice at all. So that's why, like, even now, people still ask me, like, man, you really like going to the races? I'm like, yo, if you want to go to a race, I will take you to a race with me. Just let me know if you got some free time. Because, you, like you said, you really don't know until you go. I'm like, I, I went to, I went to, uh, where'd I go? I went to Bristol, and I, I stood right on the on the wall. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, right down on the track. And to feel the, that uh, breeze when they come, to feel that breeze yeah, like, when they come by. Yeah, you feel like your heart about to pop out your chest. <laughs> it so, I mean, it's crazy, man. Like how these dudes is really skilled. Like they, yeah. they, they got real talent, man. It's not just driving around the track. These dudes is really like, really, really specialized in what they're doing. And it's, I mean, it's beauty in it. Like it would like any sport. Yeah, because they, the speed, if the speed limit is 70, 70, 75, you figure they're going double that and they're like four inches apart. Exactly. <laughs> Not even four, probably an inch. An inch hey, and, and they're three, crazy. and they might be three, four wide doing that. Exactly. So I mean, it's it's so many components to the to the sport, and it's like, man, like I don't know. I I couldn't at first. I couldn't keep up. It's slowing down for me, but it's still so much. I'm still learning. Your season, obviously, it didn't go the way you you had hoped. You got off to such a great start. You guys were playing well. What happened? What happened in that Tampa game? Because up until then, you know, Drew got injured. We'll talk about Drew a little bit. But up until then, you had guys that were playing really well. You got, you know, you got Tampa. You had blown them out. You had beaten them both times. The second time, you had dismantled, completely taken them apart. And you get them back in your building for the divisional round. What went wrong? Man, I think, and you you know more than anyone I said, and I think when one team is more prepared than the other, I mean, it's kind of like, what can you do? Um, you know, we came in, we felt good. Uh, and, you know, everybody talks about, you know, it's hard to be the team. It's, it's already hard to be the team once. It's hard to be the team. It's hard to be the team twice. It's almost impossible to be the team three times, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I don't think we were really concerned with that. It's just, man, like, I, I, just, I really, I couldn't even tell you, man. We was, we, we felt good and we thought we were prepared and I, it just turned out that they were more prepared than us and and, and I guess they, they had a better plan and, and I guess knew what they were, knew what they were doing in that, in that instance. You said better prepared. Um, you guys, I mean, Sean Payton is as good as it comes to X's and O's offensively. Yep. You guys, you know, you, you do what you do. You know, you try to push the ball down the field, you get play action, they try to get you in space on those linebackers. What was so different? Because, you know, obviously, and I've always felt this way, Alvin, I've always felt the team that lost has an advantage over the team that won because mm -hmm. th their coaches can tell them, well, see, this is why we lost the game. Yeah. But when you win, what do you correct? We scored 38. We went up and down the field. We blew them out. So what, are, what actually are we correcting? And sometimes I think the winning team, you take that for granted, uh, we're going to show, oh, we just got their number. And the, uh, yeah. the team that lost, like, uh, no, you don't. We just make a correction here or there, and then you get that outcome. Yeah, I mean, it, it too. For one, it was it it wasn't a slouch that we lost to. You know, those guys, those guys over there, they, they did they win the Super thing. Bowl. <laughs> exactly. You know, especially I mean, they, Bruce and, and Tom and those guys. I mean, them they they definitely professionals and they own right. And they like you said, when the team loses. You go back in that room and you, it's, it's dark and you figuring it out. Like, what did, what, why did we lose and how can we prevent losing again? And I think they, they figured out what it was and kind of just, you know, they, they just went all in. Bucks defense. 
How good was the Bucks defense the third time around as opposed to the first two times around? Yeah, saying they were tired of getting their ass whooped. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, they were tired of getting their ass whooped and they played like it, you know? They, they played like a defense that was like, hey, we talked about this all week and we talked about not letting it happen. It's not going to happen. You know, respect to those dudes because, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like they were sorry the first two times we played them. We just had right. we had their number. But, I mean, that third time around, they made sure they were like, yo, everything that they were doing to us before is not going to happen again. And they had a plan and they executed it. It was about execution with them and they, they executed their plan to a T. You played your first four career, your first four years of your career. You played with arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, uh, Drew Brees. Uh, we know what he meant to that community. We know what he meant to the city, uh, city of uh, New Orleans, and we know what he meant to that organization. How different is it going to be moving forward with possibly Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston as your starting quarterback? I mean, you just talked about all the, all those things. I mean, the community, the organization. I mean, what he did for football. Period. Um, Drew's like he's he's a guy he's not a guy that you can replace if it, if it makes sense I mean obviously you replace him at the position but Drew is a, a, a the type of person where like his presence is going to be missed you know um, it's already different and we, we're not even in the in the facility right now and I, I just know that him not being there is going to be weird for all of us but you know I mean Drew left his mark I mean on all of us I think he left his mark on me maybe uh, he landed a piece of himself to me and, and to help make me the player that I am right now. I mean, he guided me through my first four years of the league and, you know, allowed me to be able to be the player that I am and be expressive and, and you know, be comfortable in, in, in every situation, whether we're up, down, uh, to injured, he helped me, I'm like anything. So um, that's a guy that you can't replace. But, you know, like you said, Jameis and Chasem, those two guys, I mean, they, they've been, they've gained some respect in their own right. Uh, Jameis has led a Tampa team when he was uh, uh, before he got to New Orleans. Taysom has been a, a, a part of our offense for the past four years. And, you know, when his number's called, he does what he's supposed to do. So it's just going to be a battle between those two to see who, who's going to uh, take the helm. When you watch Drew prepare, first in, last out, the meticulousness, uh, the, 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 the fine-tuning of what he does, how did that help you in your game? Man, I, from day one when I stepped into the last game of the season this year, <clears throat> Drew prepared every single day like it was a game. I watched this man come in. I, I, when I come in the building, he's in there watching film. He didn't ate breakfast. He didn't did everything. I, like, I've never seen somebody be so dedicated. And, like, sometimes I feel – I think about it, and I'm like, damn, he more dedicated to me. But then I'm like, damn, that's Drew, Drew Brees. <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> – I'm like, well, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be a, if I'm gonna contribute to a man that is so dedicated and, and so fine-tuned and so locked in, then what am I gonna have? What what am I gonna have to do? Like what mm -hmm. what how responsible how responsible am I gonna have to be? Right. And you know, that kind of like molded my mindset when I got to from my rookie year to now. It's like, okay, well, Drew's 10 steps ahead. I gotta be 10 steps ahead. And once I'm 10 steps ahead, Drew is going to be another 10 steps ahead of me. But at least I'll be out. Shoot, I'm, I'm trying to, like, walk in his footsteps like a little kid. Right. <laughs> Just try to be on the same page as him because I know he's prepared for every situation. I know he's he's he, uh, he's played it over in his head. He's made a plan for anything that, that could possibly have. Like, man, I've seen this guy draw stuff up in the dirt and, and be dead on and spot on. And 
you know, it's like a testament to how he prepares because every day is like, I'm playing in the Super Bowl and I'm, I'm playing for my kids, my family, my city, like everything. I'm, I've never seen somebody so like honed in and locked in. I think that is the blessing that you have, especially when you're dealing with a quarterback. Your quarterback is great. He will pull or push you to greatness because you see how he prepares. And you yeah. say, well, hold on. If he's prepared like that, what's expected of me? How can I give less than him? Yeah, exactly. And I think I think that that helped a lot of guys on our team. It helped me tremendously. I mean, obviously, a lot of people see the success I've had, and they're like, oh, man, you've done this, you've done that. I'm like, man, wait, hold on. It's, it's dudes over here that's really like, you <laughs> clapping for them, like the Sean Payton's and the Drew Brees's and, you know, these Ted Ginn's that, you know, that I play with, the Mark Ingram's, like guys like that, they're they're in that category that, you know, are selfless and, and prepare and do what they're supposed to do. Obviously, Drew, I think, is up here, and I think all those guys would agree that he's an anomaly. Like, he, he stands alone in that category. Well, you uh, only one guy can start. Either Taysom or Jameis. Um, yeah. Both of these guys are coming back. Uh, obviously, you can't say you got a preference, but what does your gut tell you? Who do you think is going to win this job? Because Sean Payton said the job is up for grabs. I'm yeah. not. I'm not anointing anyone. We're going to have a camp. We're going to have a competition, and the best man will win. Yeah, uh, my gut doesn't tell me anything right now. I think Jameis would it be in his second year in the, in the uh, program. I think he's more comfortable. I mean, anytime it's your first year somewhere, you know, you're trying to figure it out, figure out personalities, figure out playbook, figure out coaches. Um, just, you know, find your lane and carve out your lane. And one thing about Jameis, I think um, he's very comfortable with who he is. He knows who he is and he's very comfortable with his abilities. He knows what his strengths and weaknesses are. And I mean, like I said before, once you learn what, you, what you're supposed to be doing, why you're supposed to be doing it, I think that allows everything else to, you know, add on to be an addition to your game. So Jameis is year two. I think he'll be more comfortable and he'll be able to, you know, showcase exactly, you know, what his what his body of work is. Taysom, we've seen Taysom, um, we've seen Taysom play. We've had a taste of Taysom, um, not only from the past three years that he's been on our team contributing, but you know, this year actually being the, the leader and being being the starting quarterback, you know, um, and I think. The same thing goes for Taysom. He, he knows what his strengths and weaknesses are. Um, he's a competitor. Um, I think he's a leader also. So like exactly what Sean said, I think is the, the statement that's true. Um, it's really up for grabs. So I think it's just gonna come down to who, who really steps up and takes a, a, a hold of the team as a whole. Because like I said, Drew is a, a void that I don't think is, is gonna be it's not easy to be filled. I don't think it could, it, nobody, there'll never be another Drew Brees. Okay. But, you know, whoever is the most comfortable in being themselves and having, finding their own way to take hold of the team and embrace their role as the new quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, I think that's who's going to win the quarterback battle. Talk to me. You're standing on the sideline and it's the division around the playoffs in Tampa, but it's just not Tampa. It's Tom Brady. Yeah. It's the aura of Tom Brady. Knowing that, man, that joker don't lose in these spots right here. So going into the yeah. game, what when you you're watching, you're standing on the sideline and you're watching him do what he does. What's going through your mind? I'm, it's Tom Brady and he he ready and he's not playing. So we got to bring our like our A game. We have to, you know. And I, I'm I'm sure that's kind of what they were thinking on the other sideline. Like, all right, well, you know, Drew can win. He can he can do what he got to do. So we got to bring our A game. But you know, Tom, I mean, I. I 
watched Tom from when I was growing up to being in the league. My rookie year, I played against Tom and watched him and was like, oh my gosh, this dude, like, he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> like, man, these dudes can do whatever they want with the ball. But um, especially in that situation, I mean, you in a you in a divisional game against one of the arguably one of the best quarterbacks in in that have ever played the game and that has shown year in and year out why he's he has how many rings he has. Um, you know, so it's just one of those things where you you know what you're playing, you know what you're up against. So you know, you know, must any mistake that's made, you you know it's gonna be detrimental to the the outcome that you want. Are you surprised that he's playing this well, this long? I mean, it's it's about to be year 20, what, 22? And here he is just coming off a Super Bowl, seven Super Bowl win. I mean, I mean, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm playing. Can you imagine yourself being as good as you are right now, 17 years from now? <laughs> Man, um, I, I, I don't know. I gotta talk, I gotta talk to him. I seen I, I seen what Drew did, so I'm like, okay, I got a good idea. Like I might got I might got 20 of me, but I might have to talk to Tom and get a secret too because man, that dude he 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 got it figured out. Man, he he playing. I think running. Um, I don't know, Alvin. I think running backs they take too many hits. They don't protect you like they protect the quarterback. I know. I might have to. I might have. I might have to switch the slot or something. Like right when my running back need to run out, I might have to be like, hey, I got. I can play a little slot. Y'all just need, <laughs> you, you, minimum. I got you. <laughs> okay, Alvin. You grew up. You grew up in. Like I said, you grew up uh, in the Atlanta era, Norcross. No, I ain't grew up. Um, from Atlanta. <laughs> you oh, so you so okay because so, that's how we do that's how we do you know if anybody look I'm from Atlanta you might be from us uh, 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 you got a couple of hospital you was born at and everything I'm a Grady baby all the way <laughs> yeah you a Grady baby okay yeah. okay so you really from the A you yeah. you repping the A hard mm -hmm. your, your senior year you do what you did you win the state title what is it the, the process, okay, you had every college in the country wanting Alvin Kamara. Yeah. How did you decide that you were going to the University of Alabama knowing that there are probably three, four, five other five-star recruits that's going there to play your position? I was looking at that time. I was looking at it. I said, man, this is where the best running backs go. In, my, in, in that year, 2013, I'm, I'm just talking about that's the history of Bama, like for running backs. I was like, that's where the best running backs go. 2013, the best running backs in my class are going there. I was like, shoot, I'm about to go and I'm about to show why I'm the best running back too. But at the time, I'm I'm 17 years old. I'm like, <laughs> I'm state championship, I'm balling. I'm like, man, I'm about to go and bust this open. Not thinking, it's seven of us in this room. It's one football and it's <laughs> 10 games. What are we gonna do? You know, so we get there and it's me, Tyron Jones, LT Tenpenny, rest in peace to him, that's my brother. Alti Tempenny and um and Derrick Henry all in the same class. Not to mention T.J. Yeldon, Kenyon Drake, Justin Fowler, and D. Hart. That's already there. <laughs> so we get in the room. We get to the first running back meeting, and, and Coach Burns, Burton Burns. I love him to death, even though he was on my ass every day at Bama. I, we looking around, and we look me and me and Alti like, man, we stupid as hell. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> what have we done got ourselves into? Yeah, I'm like, man, what did we do? Like, we thought that we thought it was cool, and now we're here. We like, we realizing, like, okay, one, two, three, four, and all, nobody's a slouch in there. Everybody, everybody that was in that room had played in the NFL. You know what I'm saying? Like, so <laughs> Derek still, Derek balling right now. Kenya still, I mean, like, all of us had real talent. So 
You know, so it, you didn't look at it. You like, okay, yeah, I'm coming off a state championship, but so did he, 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 he. Yeah. Oh, I, man, I had 2,200 yards. Yeah, but he had 2,500. He had four. Derek, Derek, Derek had, had, had Derek had 10,000. <laughs> Eight touchdowns. Like, you know what I'm saying? But you know, go in hindsight, I was just like, man, I want to be the best version of me, so I'm gonna go where the best is, best is. We know where the best are going. But you know, I'm in in reality, it's like it's only so many. It's only so much. That can be done within that framework you know everybody can't touch the ball and you know i mean ultimately i ended up transferring and going to junior college it was partly some of that partly immaturity on my end right because you know i'm i'm 17 years old fresh out of high school i got the campus i graduated and got the campus two days later and i was i was in it i'm in college i'm you know never been hurt before in high school always been you know the top dog and now i'm like it's 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 not a, I was a pit bull around, uh, so while I was in high school, now it's all pit bulls and some of the pit bulls is bigger than, bigger than me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, I'm still barking, but I'm like, okay, I got to bark a little bit louder or I got right. to do a little bit more. And then, you know, ended up getting injured during camp and kind of didn't really know how to deal with that. I'm just like, my mind, my mind was immature. And, you know, I did a lot of immature things and Shoot, me and Coach Saban are close to this day. You know, maybe not as close <laughs> when I was there because of you know what how I dealt with things and Coach Coach Burns and and Coach Smart. You know, those are my three main guys. And you know, we talk, we laugh and joke about it today. But back then, it was like I was I just kind of went into like a, a forget everybody mode and and you know, it was just it was just immaturity. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Had you stayed in Alabama, do you believe your career would have turned out like it like it did, like it has? I don't think so because I learned a lot from leaving Alabama. You know, and I'm not even talking about football wise. Okay, I'm just talking about like I learned myself. I learned a lot about myself, and I learned a lot about how to interact with other people, and I learned a lot about how to deal with certain situations. I just learned a lot about life, like. You know, I went. I when I left Alabama, I went home. I mean, nobody really know. I, I was done. I was about to be done with football. I was like, I'm about to go back home and just do whatever. Like, I'm gonna just kick it. You know, and I did that for. I, I left in January, January third. I left Alabama January third. Like February, I, I went a month. I had that Pell Grant. I made sure I got that Pell Grant. Ah, <laughs> so I, I gotta Pell get that. So like, I gotta right, get that before I get up out of here. Yeah, I said, yeah, I'm gonna get this little five K and figure something out. January go by. And 5K running out. February, I'm like, okay, I'll make a little something shake, but I'm like, oh, we can't. I gotta figure something out. <laughs> I get a, I get a, I take a, like an official visit to Clemson. I'm like, I'm kind of just slow playing everything. I'm like, man, I'm good. I'm not I, just going off what I just dealt with. Like just mentally, it was a lot. It was taxing, and 
you know, I'm thinking about like, man, how could I have dealt with it better? But still at that point, I'm like, man, whatever, whatever. I get arrested in February, like February 16th, 15th. And I'm sitting in the back of the cop car and the cop like, you ain't no damn role model. You ain't nothing, da, 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 da. And I'm like, that's that like moment of realization. And you like, what am I doing? Oh, so the cop knew who you were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cop knew who I was. He like, man, you ain't, you ain't nothing. You ain't nobody looking up to you. You ain't, man, nobody even knows if you still play football, blah, blah, blah. Uh -oh. So I'm just back there listening. And I'm like, damn. So this is like 11 o'clock at night. I get to the jail. I ain't get processed to, like, I ain't get processed and booked everything till like 4 a.m. And that same cop stood in there and was pointing at, point, every time, they wouldn't even, they was just moving me from cell to cell, wasn't even processing me. He just pointing like, yeah, there go that boy Alvin, like he ain't shit, da 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 da. So I'm just sitting whoa, there. Whoa, like, whoa, like, whoa, whoa, what a bro, say bro, I'm already yeah. at my lowest. You already got me behind these bars. You ain't got to keep on doing this till me now. Yeah, you know, so I'm just like, at that point, I, then I'm like, really, I just went, I went straight to Atlanta. I'm like, man, I got the money in my pocket to bail out there. Y'all got me, nah, nah, nah. I'm just, but then I had to sit back and be like, yo, what, am, what, is, what is that, where is that gonna get me? It's not getting me nowhere. I can't do right. that situation. I called my mom. Moms wasn't mad. She was just like, what you gonna do? Like, you know, she come and bail me out and we took that ride home and she like, I'm not mad at you. Like what you, but you know, you gotta figure something out. Next day I call, I call, um, I call Clemson. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm about to just, uh, let me get out of here. I gotta go. I just gotta get back on track. They like, ah, uh, nah, you know, I done got arrested. Uh, it's news right. that done hit. Nah, we're not gonna take you. You know, you can go to Juco and, and you know, we'll, we might take you after you leave Juco. So I feel some type of way. I'm like, man, damn, damn. <laughs> they just want you, blah, blah. I'm like, man, okay. So Hutchinson Community College has been calling me this whole time from when I leave Bama to, when I'm when I'm when I'm at home, like to this up to this point, and I'm like, I'm not going to no JUCO, like I can't. What, what, I'm gonna go to a, that's a long way from home because that's not a mistake. That's Kansas, right? Kansas, yeah, Hutchinson community. Yeah. I'm like, man, I'm not going to, not, especially not Kansas. I said, bro, I'm from Atlanta. Like, what I'm gonna do in Kansas? It's snowing, da, da, da. so I gotta I gotta humble myself at this point. I'm like, I call I call Thaddeus Brown. He was the coach at at Hutch while I was there. I call him. I said, hey, coach. Y'all still, y'all take me. He said, "Come on." He said, "When can you get here?" It's the fifteenth now. Now it's the sixteenth. He like the eighteenth. I'm on a plane to Kansas that Thursday, and then the rest is history. Never look back. Never look back. Okay, you spent you spent one year at Hutch. Yeah. And then, so, what made you decide to go to Tennessee? So I think for me, going to Tennessee, I just it was it was more of a I didn't want to go to UGA. I, I kind of, I didn't want to be at home. Right. Know? With me, I was like, all right, um, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take this time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of look around and, and see what I want to do. I want to go back to the SEC for me personally because I was like, you know, people were like, well, he couldn't handle the SEC. He couldn't do this. He could. So it was like for me, I was like, let me weigh my options. Where are these SEC? Which one of these SEC schools I'm gonna go to and just make it happen? And you know, I had a couple friends at Tennessee. Um, at the time, so I was like, you know what? I'm about to go to Tennessee. And that was it. And plus Tennessee was gonna get a chance to play Alabama. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely got a chance to play Alabama. We did that, so. So you you uh, go to Tennessee, things work out well for you. You go to the combine, you do what you do. 
the Saints call. What's going through your mind? Man, I'm like, this is a perfect situation. I'm like, this is perfect. I got Sean Payton. Like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking back. I'm like, all right, Darren Sproles, Reggie Bush. Like, I, I got Drew Brees. You know, this is like ideal for me because of the style uh, that, that I see myself playing in. Like, right. it fits that mold. So, you know, obviously, shoot, I get to New Orleans and Sean's vision for what my vision was, was, was in line times a million. So I'm right. like, now I got to learn all this. <laughs> and then that, 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 the rest is history, man. Like, you know, that goes back to talking about Drew and, and you know, just being in, in the position that I was in in New Orleans, that I've been able to be in in New Orleans and just blessed to, you know, have the impact that I've had. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Let's go back to college for a second. You mentioned you had an injury. If you yeah. didn't have that injury and was forced to redshirt, do you think things would have turned out differently? Because maybe you just I had did. too much time on your hand. No, I did. I did redshirt. I, I got the injury in camp, so I had a lot of time to think about everything. I was man. I'm like, oh my gosh. Did you think? Did you think you? Did you think you were good enough to play, or were you upset? Oh, yeah. that you redshirted. Yeah, I, was, I think I, I was definitely good enough to to play, and and, and you know now I'm, now that I'm looking back older, I definitely had had the ability to play, um, but just immature me the way I dealt and handled that situation, it completely cut me out of being able to. Oh, so that's play. what it was. So you was upset that they redshirted you. That started you on the road to immaturity. Yeah, it was kind. Of, yeah, it was that. It was like it was you know okay, you're injured rehab and come back and you know try to try to get back and we'll get you back in the rotation and you know how that goes it's like you injured you got to get back and you know uh, yeah, the yeah, game yeah. don't stop right and, and they, ain't pay, they, ain't give you, they ain't give you that love once you injured it's like that in the you know they don't give you that love when you injured because you can't uh, you know so I'm, I'm coming from high school i'm the man I, don't, I ain't never got hurt nothing so now i'm hurt i'm expecting like okay well they're gonna work with me i'm gonna i'm gonna rehab and i'm gonna be right back in it nah it's, it's shoot. It's up and going now. I, I the I got healthy like maybe the right before the first first game or second game. So you know it's it's in, it's in stone at that point. Yeah. So so, yeah. so what was what was Coach Saban like? I, I, I talked to Devonte Devonte Smith last week. What's yeah. Coach Saban like? Man, Coach Saban. He he he's he's intense. He's an intense dude, but a lot of people I think get. Uh, Coach Saban, that they misinterpret Coach Saban. I okay. tell people this every time I say, Coach Saban is worried about one thing, and that's winning, and that's why he wins. If it doesn't have anything to do with winning, he's not concerned with it. And that's not that's not a that's not personal. It's nothing personal. And I had to realize that when I was with, from being there, then leaving and growing up, and like it wasn't it wasn't nothing against me that he had. It was. I, I was. Alvin, you can't help me win right now. So yeah, I, yeah, I got you, can't, you can't. You can't help me win. And you're not trying to help yourself help me win. Right. So that the, the you can't help me win right now is about availability, being injured. So you right. know you rehab, you come back, you you get you get you work yourself into the rotation, you do what you do, and you know. But doing the wrong thing is not gonna help me win, and it's actually right. it's it's actually annoying me. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So I was doing a lot of things that. Coach Saban, I, I think he he was ready. He was he was like, man, I'm on the verge of getting rid of this dude, you know. And um, so is that is that so you you button heads with Coach Saban? Yeah, um, I'm with Coach Saban. Saban. He was, didn't he, 
he suspended you. He sent you home for the bowl game, right? Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I butted ahead with Coach Burns, the running back coach at the time, too. So both right. of them butting heads, butting heads. So they suspended me. And that was it. I mean, it was just, like I said, and I take full responsibility. It was immaturity. It wasn't nothing right. about Coach Saban not liking me, Coach Burns not like. It was completely my fault. Like, I was doing stuff that was, like, so, so, so what is it? Are you Tennessee or you? Because it seemed like you talk more about Bama than you do Tennessee. I mean, so what's going on? That's where the journey begun. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's where the journey began. But um, I'm both. You know, I, I'm, I'm both, I think. But I, I you know, I, I ended at, at UT, so I got to go UT. But, you know, whenever, you know, some Bama dudes be like, oh, yeah, you went to Bama. You still, we know you started at Bama. It's road tide. I'll give them a little road tide and keep it moving. So do you do, do you ever go? Do you ever go back to Bama? Uh, not really. No, I don't really go back to Tuscaloosa. But you know, I'm I'm still close with all everybody, all them dudes, man. Everybody that I that I that kind of came before me a little bit in that area in that range when I was visiting, and then the dudes obviously that I played with. Junior JUCO. Mm -hmm. What's it like going to JUCO? I mean, I mean, I I played with a lot of guys that went to JUCO. Some went to Hutchinson. A lot of them went to the uh, the schools in Mississippi, Itawamba, Hines. You know all those schools. You 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 know what I'm talking about. You know, Isles, you know they have Islesworth out in Iowa. You know Taft out here in California. So so I, I'm familiar. So they say it's bad. They say it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's, bad. It's, it's exactly like everybody seen Last Chance You and they like, man, it's so real. Like that's a man. This TV show. I said, no, nah, that's really what it like. It's really what it is. And then I'm coming from the. I'm coming from like. The top JUCO. I'm coming from the top. I'm not just coming from D1. I'm coming from the D1 school. I'm right. Alabama. Like, shoot, somebody might tie your shoe if you, if 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 it, if it come or lose. Right. You know, I'm, I get to Kansas and you. I'm like fighting for scraps. I'm like, yo, what is going on here? Like, it's not nothing for you. Nothing is given to you at all. You got to work for every single thing. And I think that experience was like so humbling and like it was humbling. And it was at the same time, it was like, man, why me? But then at the same time, it was gratifying because I was able to like endure and overcome everything that happened to me there and, you know, come out the other side even better than I came in. Is, did anybody, did any of your teammates say, man, man, what the hell are you doing here? How the hell you leave Alabama to come here? Hell yeah. All of them, it was like, man, what are you doing? Are you stupid? I'm like, hey, a lot of stuff happened. I was immature. I was hurt. I, it was like, man, I would have just stayed. I don't care. I would have just rehabbed and I was just, I'm like, nah, it was like, you know, it's a lot, a lot of, a right. lot of for the Juco thing for me was like a personal journey. It was like, okay, I need to go do this and, and, and grow up a little bit. That 20, that 2017 draft, Leonard Fournette's in that draft, Christian McCaffrey's in that draft, Dalvin Cook's in that draft, Joe Mixon is in that draft. And you're like, okay, you size these guys up now, hold on. Me and Christian McCaffrey, yeah. Dalvin Cook, we know we all, you know, we all, Joe Mixon, we about the same size, Leonard Fournette. Little taller, little heavier, but hey, I hold my own. I'm I'm doing this in the SEC. So what yeah. what's up? Third, I mean, Fournette off the board first, and then uh, uh uh C Mac. I played with his dad. Then Dalvin, Joe Mixon. Like hold on, whoa, whoa. Yeah, y'all just gonna overlook your boy? Yeah, man. So a lot of people asked me about that, and I was like, you can ask like anybody around me that's close to me. I was never really worried about my position, my draft, you know, the stock of it. You know, I wasn't worried about like, oh, he's projected to go, because I was projected to go first round. Right. Like, after my combine, I, I killed the combine. Yeah. So it was like, oh man, he's helped himself. He, you know, he might go first round. He might go second round. He might go, 
I was like, man, I'm not into predicting nothing, though. I'm like, yo, I had my mom, my brother, and like two, a couple of my friends, my sister, we was just watching. They one go by, I'm not off. They're like, man, it's okay, man. They should have drafted you. I'm like, man, where are we going? Y'all want to go out? <laughs> I'm still celebrating because I'm like, man, I didn't work so hard to get to this point. I'm like celebrating everything that's like happened to me from family to Hutch to, and just to be able to be in that position of being on the TV, like, yeah, this kid, he could be, he could, he could go any day from one to any round from one to two to three. Like, I'm just blessed to be in the conversation. I'm cool. Okay. So a lot of dudes, a lot of dudes, like like you mentioned, the Dalvins and the Christians and the Leonard's, they put in a lot more work than me as far as their college careers went. They had a full body of work and it was a consistent body of work. For me, I had to, you know, I kind of had to do a little hokey pokey and, and, and turn around and do what I had to do, but you know, nonetheless, still blessed. So, you know, they took round two goes and, it, and you know, it was some rumblings like I might get drafted in the second round. I might don't happen. I'm like, man, I'm good. Like, you know, people checking on you. You know how that go. People checking right. on you. Like, man, I, you, man, you better than da da da. It's like, I don't care. It's not about that. It just, you know, it is what it is. It got to fall out. It got to happen how it got to happen. You know, so then the third round comes and, you know, I'm looking at it and 504 number calling. I'm like, Hello, like, hey, Alvin, it's, it's Sean Payton. Da, da, da. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, we gone, we off the board. With the third, <laughs> with the, the 67 pick in the 2017 NFL draft, the New Orleans Saints select Alvin Kamara, running back, Tennessee. I'm like, finally, I'm not even, I'm, I'm cool. Like, I'm, I was content, I was fine. I'm like, finally, everybody can stop talking about you should have been this round and that round. Like, all right, I was the third round, third pick. It's done. Now it's time to get to work. I what I tell young guys. It's not how high you go, it's where you go. You could have went higher and not gone to someone that's that their offensive mind is like Sean Payton. You could have gone somewhere that they don't have a Drew Brees. And so now Alvin Kamara goes somewhere and they don't use him like the Saints use him to showcase all of his ability. Not only his rushing ability, but also his receiving ability out of the backfield. We'll line him up in the slot. We'll put him out wide. We'll, oh, y'all put a safety on him, we're throwing the ball. Y'all put a linebacker on him, we damn sure going to throw him the ball. Yeah. So it wasn't how high you went, it was where you went that ultimately gave you an opportunity to show what you could really do. Exactly, and that's what that was the most important thing for me. Like, like we talked about earlier, it's like, once I know I'm with Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's the perfect situation. I can't beat it. Right. You know, so I just, I, now it's up to me to take advantage. What was the first thing you purchased? What was your first big purchase? I still ain't had a first big purchase, really. You ain't bought, you ain't bought nothing. You ain't bought no Range. You ain't bought no G wagon. You ain't bought no Ferrari. I ain't spent a dollar of football money. I ain't touched none of it. Oh, what that? What you riding the bicycle? I, 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 yeah, I mean, my so I think the most money I spent was probably building that juice bar. Okay. And that wasn't really nothing. That was like fifty. 60. But you know, you got to buy mom. So mom didn't want anything. Uh, mom's got it. Mom's got a crib, but I didn't. I, she still. I'm renting a crib. My mom's so indecisive. She's like, I want to buy a house. I want to. I want to live in Canada. I want to live here. I'm like, Mom, where you want to live? So she's still, <laughs> she's still all over the place. So I'm like, Okay, I'm saving a couple dollars right there. But now nah, I haven't, man. I, don't, I I live simple, dog. I just, you know, I'm take care of what I got to take care of, and you know. Uh, well, okay, then you ain't living simple. You got a grill. You got several grills. Yeah, I had from college the gold when that was three hundred dollars from uh, JJ Jewelry down at uh, 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 Underground Mall in Atlanta. I know about that. 
and I got and I got the diamond one. Yeah, yeah, I got the diamond one, but I ain't had to do nothing. I ain't had to do too much for that. So you ain't gonna get no pink diamond like Uzi Vert. You ain't finna put one in the front of your head. Ah, I don't know about that one. Shout out <laughs> Uzi for doing that. I guess you know that's Eric to each his own. You know you got. Yeah, that, yep, that, you might have a little bit too much money. You could take a diamond and stick it on your forehead. Yeah, yeah. He said he was paying for that for a couple of years. I don't know. Yeah. So moving forward, how do do you want to run carry the ball more? Because right now you you know they throw it to you. They but would you like to say, you know what? Let me get 250 carries. Let me see how many yards I could actually get. I don't care about all that, man. I'm, I'm about, I think the touches count more. Like, you know, if I, if I get, if we, if we talking about X running back getting 20 carries and having 150 yards and a touchdown, and we talking about me having 10 carries and then 10 catches and I'm having 200 all purpose and three touchdowns. I mean, right. I'd rather I'd rather the ten catches and the, and the ten carries all day than the twenty, than the, just the twenty carries. Let's I talk like about that six touch that six touchdown game because I was upset because mm -hmm. you right there you right there at five, and I really thought you should have had seven because they let I think Taysom ran one in. I was yeah. like, man, this is some bullshit, man. Y'all know that man got five touchdowns and get six, yeah. and know. then when they get, let him get, and they let you get six. I was ticked off because you should have had the record. You should have got seven. Yeah, I said I should have had it. You know, you, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you send a a, a, a letter to Sean and, and talk to him. I came <laughs> off and, and Emmanuel Sanders is like, man, he talking to Sean on the sideline. He like, man, that's messed up, Sean. You messed up. He like, what? He like, man, AK need one more. He like, what? He like, oh, I didn't know. And then Taysom came to me. He was like, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nah, like, you oh, should. You sorry. You knew it. You should have just turned around and said, "Nah, we are gonna hand this ball off to Alvin." Up. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's so when, when you, when, did you did you know? Did you know going into that game? Because sometimes you know you have a big game, you could feel like, "Man, okay, this is gonna be my day. I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a good game today." Yeah, you know, Was there anything know. different about that game? I just felt good. I felt good at the beginning of the game, and you know, I usually turn like I'll say something to Drew, or I'll say something to like Latavius, or you know, anybody like Mike or Demar. I'm like, hey, I feel good. Like it's time. Like you know, whatever they say back, I'm like, man, I feel good. Right. I'm gonna go crazy. So I get on. The, I, I we get in the game. I get one. I'm like, oh yeah. Like I feel real. I feel too good. I go to the sideline. I tell Son. I said, I feel too good. I said, give me the ball. He said, all right, all right. I'm gonna keep giving it to you. I get a second touchdown. I'm like, okay, hold on. I feel real, like I feel real good. I go to my RB coach. I go to go Joe Thomas. I'm like, JT, what's the record for touchdowns? And he's like, hold on, let me figure out. So we go back out for another drive. I score another touchdown. I come back and he's like, the record, the record six. So I'm like, bro, I might have two. It's not even halftime yet, and I got three. I said, I might <laughs> break the record. So he's like, let's go. So I'm talking to Sean. I'm like, hey, don't get scared. I was like, you, you always talking about giving somebody the ball. Give me the ball. He like, I'll, he said, I'll run you till you're tired. He said, you gonna tap out. He said, just tap out. I'm like, I ain't gonna tap out. So he's like, all right, I'm gonna give you the ball. So four, five, and he gonna do that and put Taysom in, take my six one. I'm like, all right. I'm on the sideline. I'm like, man, it's Christmas. We but you all swole too. So I did, cause I know you like so close. I'm having one of these games. I haven't told my RB coach before the half, oh, I'm gonna get that record. Yeah, yeah, I told, yeah, I told him, I'm like, I'm gonna get it. He likes, come on, let's do it. So I'm like, bet. So we running the ball, running the ball. Get the six one, taste them, get the six one. So I'm at five. I'm like, man, whatever, man. We blessed Christmas. We whooping it. We killing them on TV or whatever. It's cool. So then I guess they, something, I forgot what happened. I think we got a turnover. Yeah, we got a turnover. Then ball to 
Adam Troutman, and he's running down the sideline, running down the sideline like 40. I'm happy. I love Trout, but he get tackled on the one-yard line. I'm like, uh, yes. I love him, though. I love Trout, but I'm like, yes. <laughs> so I'm like, go. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's get it. I said, I'm about to get the sixth one. So I get in there and get the sixth one, and that's what, you know, that's the snowflakes, and that's when I tie the record. But I'm like, damn, I could have had, I could have had, I could have had seven. Oh, you had seven all day. Seven. But you know what? But just your luck, you'd have got that six one and Trout would have ran into the end zone. He wouldn't have stopped. So, so it was meant for you to get the title record, and not break it. Everything always turned out how it's supposed to. That's what I like, man. I can't even complain. What inspired you to get the nose ring? I don't know. I, you know what? And I've had it since like 2014. 2013, 2014. I just, one day I was just like, man, I don't know. I'm just about to do so. Because I had the, you know, the one. Right. You had the one. Yeah. I had the one nostril and I like everybody around me started getting it. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, man, y'all come up with something, like do something, like come up with something else. <laughs> so I'm like, I know something they're not gonna do. So me and my boy, we go to the, we go to the piercing shop and I go in there and the lady's like, yeah, what do you want to pierce? I'm like, I want to set them. And she's, she started laughing at me. And I was like, no, I'm dead, dead serious. Like I'm gonna set them. She's like, yeah, whatever. So I'm like, all right, come on. So she starts, she's like, all right, I'll just go through it. I know you're not gonna go through with it. Boom, pierced my nose. She's like, wow, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. I was like, man, it's something new. Like, I got to come up with something new. Did it hurt? Hell yeah. You cried, didn't you? You cried. You cried a little bit. I I wasn't actively crying. It was passive passive tears. Yeah, you you might have been passive tears in the shop, but you boo-hooed in the car. (laughs) That doesn't hurt, man. I'm telling you, it hurt. But I don't know. It was just something different. Like, I was like, man, I'm going to just, like, it was me. It wasn't like forced. It was still me because like that's kind of I do stuff like that. But right, that was that was like the most. I was like, yeah, this is kind of this extreme, man. So I was uh, comfortable. Uh, so what? So you gonna get anything else? Okay, the Saints win the Super Bowl. You getting a tattoo, a Super Bowl tattoo? You getting something pierced? What 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 what, what you gonna do to mark that occasion? Thanks. Saints win the Super Bowl. Man, people think I'm wild now. <laughs> Y'all, man, they th- y'all seen J.R. Smith on that float. Ah! It's going to be better with soon. Send me a couple bottles of Hennessy. It's a, it's a, it's a miles. And we good. Hey, that ain't going to be, but you know what? That be, no, 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 because that'd be my, my y'all with the Super Bowl, that'd be around Mardi Gras time. No, no, we I'm can't saying. have you party for a it's month. Gonna be, it's going to be crazy. They're going to be like, man, this dude, Albert, cra- like, he's crazy for real. You, you also, you big into fashion. Yeah. What what led how did how did you what what led you to do that? Do my that. Sister, my, my sister was in the in the fashion when I was younger. Like I'm talking about okay. talking about piles of magazines, like fashion magazines, like just everything. You know what I'm saying? So she kind of got me into it, and you know, as I got older, I was just more and more like I kind of was able to you know create my own style and right I was in tune with it. So I just kept it going, and now it's just you know it's it's like a you you you're a sneakerhead too. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call myself a sneakerhead, but I do. I, I do indulge in sneakers. You not? So what's 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 your what's your favorite sneaker? My favorite sneaker? Yeah, I think for my foot, like the most comfortable shoe that I throw on, like, and I'm like, I could wear them every day. <clears throat> Just a Jordan Three, any 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 variation of it, any colorway. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat the three. Um, yeah. I like the three. I like the eleven. I like the fives, I like the fours, I like yeah. the ones. I think the three, I think the three is the one though. That's the that's the one. 
so you you a mid so you you really a mid guy because the three yeah. I mean, the three is I mean the three it's hard to beat the three yeah it's hard to beat it you can't it's like the, it's the perfect it's versatile you can do what you yeah. need to do with it yeah you can wear it with a suit you wear it with jeans you wear it with shorts exactly. joggers yeah yeah it's hard it's it's hard to mess up the three that's what they don't know you know <laughs> <laughs> so your fashion your sense the piercing. Give me a comparison. Somebody in the NBA that 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 style and reminds you of Alvin. Mm. I don't know. I don't really watch basketball, so I ain't really. I ain't really you ain't in the you ain't in the hoop like that. No, I ain't really in the basketball. God, hey, I you comparison. I don't know. You give me a comparison. I don't know. I mean, you you right with that J.R. Smith, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I'm gonna have to get back to you on that one. I'm gonna have to think of that one. Back to me. Uh, who hit you the hardest? Because everybody wants to know. That's, that's what I get. Man, who hit you the hardest in your career? Who hit me the hardest? I think both of them was cheap hits, though. So I don't even, other than that. Oh, you talking about the you talking about the Jalen Smith on Thursday night? Yeah, that one and the and the uh, and, and Debo Diazos, my rookie year in Atlanta. Both yeah. of them I got both of them I got concussed. <laughs> I'm like, man, y'all ain't. And then and then Jalen, he really just went all out with it. Like he just crushed me. I'm like, yo, you hell, it was helmet to helmet. You know, right. he was, they was running that. Like he posted pictures of people sent it to me. I'm like, man, oh, he can't touch me other than that. When you hear people say the running back position, they devalue the running back. You can just get anybody and just plug him in and they can do this, they can do that. How yeah. does that make you feel? I don't feel no type of way. I think I just, show, I don't really talk too much. I just show it. So, and I'm happy that it's some other dudes in the league from Dalvin's and, and Christian's and, and, and Aaron Jones and Derek's that are kind of like showing it too. It's like, it's funny. It's like the timing of it that, you know, these got like Christian got his check. I got a check. Derek is getting his money. Like we showing that, you know, okay, you can, you can throw anybody at any position. Don't mean they going to do it good. You know what right. I'm saying? Or do it to like an elite level. If you're talking about, if we're talking about good, great, elite, and like superstars, you know what I'm saying? Like you got the, it's, it's certain level, it's pay grades to this. There's levels, there's levels to yeah, this. There's levels to it. So, you know, I mean, you go, it, it, the pay got to match. So right. if, 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 if another dude can do it, do it, let him do it. Obviously that's not the world, that's not realistic. That's not the world we live in. I got a job to do, but it's like, shit, show me. Find <laughs> to do it. I'm looking at your numbers. And if you were to do this, you'd be only the fourth guy. Roger Craig did it, 1,000 rush, 1,000 receiver. Marshall yeah. Falk did it, 1,000 rush, 1,000 receiver. Christian McCaffrey, you come close a couple of times. You've had, you had 728 rush yards this year, 826 receiving. You had 932 your rookie, uh, you had 932 last year, 756. Yeah. In your rookie, you had 728, 826. Yeah. What would that mean to get 1,000, 1,000 to join that elite company? Yeah, it'd be dope, you know what I'm saying? like. I, and I, it's so crazy because I never look at, I never really look during the season. I don't really be looking at numbers. I'm just like, man, let's go. I'm trying to turn up as much as right. I can, get as many touches as I can, get as many touchdowns as I can, whatever that looks like. So, um, I mean, it, it'll definitely, it would definitely, I'll be in good company, obviously. It's all, and then it's like only when you say, anytime you say only these people did it, it's not a lot of people, you know what right. I'm saying? But it's dope to just be in that, in that category of like one of the only that did something. Well, I know something you know about you. If you're from the age, you Grady baby, so you know about something about the, uh, the rap community. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. I want you to give me your Mount Rushmore rappers 
Atlanta rappers, Mount Rushmore. Ooh. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about now. <laughs> since, you, since you don't watch basketball, you know something about the rap scene in the eight. Man, okay. <laughs> okay. If we just, if we talking about, like you said, uh, Mount Rushmore, we talking about pioneer music, the music scene in Atlanta. I'll go, I'll go outcast. Nah, that ain't, um, you gotta take one of them. I, well, I can't, well, I'll take- There ain't no group. It's okay, a, I'll, I'll take Big Boy. Andre is, I, I like Andre, I like Andre, I like Andre, but I'm just talking about like that. We talking about still like that fit the mold of Atlanta. I love, I love Andre. Okay, okay, okay. okay. That's why I say outcast. I ain't want to pick one. <laughs> Damn. I know, that's why I let you do that because I wanted you to pick one. Uh-huh. Go got, ahead. I got, so I'm gonna just say outcast. I ain't gonna let you do me like that. Outcast, I got Gucci. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got T.I. Okay. <laughs> Who you got? You looking at it like you got something written down. I ain't got nothing. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just down here just looking. I'm just and I had to put a, I had to put it. I had to put a space in there. So then I'm gonna put Jeezy on there up there too. So you got big boy. I got okay. Okay, okay, you got <laughs> okay, you got okay. Outcast, you got Gucci, you got TI, and who you got? You got and I got Jeezy. Jeezy. Yeah. Okay. I mean they had a bad, they had a bad group. I mean, I can't leave Luda off. I gotta keep Luda. I gotta bring Luda. I you, Luda. Can't, you can't have a rap without Luda. Okay, well, if I if, if I can't have Outkast alone, I mean, if I can't have Outkast as a group, then I'll just put Luda. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ooh, be, I mean, you left, mm, two chains got left off. Your homeboys, you left your home, one of your home, all your homeboys off. Yeah, all I, left, I left them all out, because I was just, that's why I started off, and I said, who pioneered the rap game in Atlanta? Little baby, yeah, I put, yeah, but I'm talking Man, about. Oh, yeah, oh, no, no, I'm talking no, about who no. came before him. Now we can say we get. No, 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 no. Uh, Mount Rushmore is not about. There are a lot of presidents that came before Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, there was president became Woodrow. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's how we do this. There was president before <laughs> Jefferson. All together, everything, all encompassing. Who your best? All encompassing. I got baby. I got Gooch. Man. That's tough, dog. That's hard. That's hard. Cause that's we we got all the we got all the flavor. We got all the music. Well, for me, I'm going three stacks. I'm going Ti. Yeah. I'm going Luda, and I'm going Jeezy, and I'm done with it. Okay, shoot, we right in line. We in the same <laughs> room. <laughs> hey, Albert, I really appreciate it. Appreciate what you're doing for the community. Appreciate your career. Much success, continued, and thanks for dropping by today. No doubt. I'll say, appreciate you. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Yeah. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.